guys, Merry Christmas, huh? Yes, Merry Christmas. And uh, uh, so fun to have the kids leading us in worship this morning. Uh, you can think of it, it is, it was a little bit of a Christmas performance, uh, but at the same time, what we believe is that these kids are part of our church. And so when they're up here singing, we're getting to watch them, uh, but we're also singing with them, right? They're leading us in worship because they're worshiping just like we are. Uh, and that's true for having our kids who are older in the service with us this morning. That as we talk about what Christmas means and what it's for, that this is, uh, this is for them uh, for them as well. So uh, as you guys know, uh, during this Advent season, uh, we've been talking all about hope. And we've been talking about how hope is this thing that is centered in the future. That for Christians, hope is our confidence uh, of the goodness of God following us into the future. And yet on Christmas Day, we look forward to a hope that's been realized. That Christmas Day is when you get to take possession of the hope that you've been waiting for, looking forward to, uh, and, and yearning toward uh, for, for several weeks, right? It's what happens when our kids wake up, when these kids will wake up tomorrow, and they'll start unwrapping the gifts under the tree. I know if it's hard for you to put yourself back to, to, to when you used to be like pumped to discover what was under the tree when you didn't know it yourself or know it from the Amazon list that your spouse purchased for you, right? But there was a time when that was true, right? When you would wonder, what is there under the tree? What am I gonna open? And you've seen maybe some of those YouTube videos of kids who like get the Nintendo 64 and they're just losing their minds. Like, they're just screaming because they're so excited because the thing that they hoped for, they finally got. Are you guys with me? Are you connecting with those moments at all? Okay, I felt like that. We did Christmas with my in-laws yesterday and I asked for these shoes. Aren't they sweet? Yes, thank you. But they're just vans, so don't worry. They will not be appearing on Preachers and Sneakers. Uh, but I, I, had like, I had planned for them. I wanted them, and I got them. That hope, it was realized. Maybe what you are waiting for is for the busyness of this season to finally be over. And the, oh, that comes afterwards. The hope being realized. And the nativity story that we're gonna read this morning is a story about hope realized. That hope has come into our world. But if we're honest, the story of the nativity, it often feels pretty remote, doesn't it? Does it ever feel remote to you? Like quaint, abstract. Like when I go, if you've ever seen the lights at Opry, they have this giant nativity set outside the main entrance. And I am always way more curious about how they got the lights to get on every single branch of those trees outside than I am about the, about the nativity scene. Are you with me? That we have a lot of hopes in our lives that feel more real to us than the hope of the nativity. Hopes that feel more present and more pressing. And in hopes that in the fact that they have not come true yet, uh, have left us sad and angry and disappointed where we experience the lack of realization of our hope. And my hope this morning uh, for this time together, which hopefully will be shorter than average because of all the kids we have in here, right, is that we will take a few minutes to remember uh, that the hope that we have because of the nativity is real that there is a hope that has been realized that is not only for the future, but that is for right now. And that the hope that we get to experience right now, that there's joy for us here today because of who Jesus is and because of the fact that he's come. 
That's what we're gonna talk about, the Savior who has come into the world and the Savior who keeps coming because he has come into the world. So I'm gonna invite Caroline to come up. Caroline is gonna read for us. Caroline also happens to be my wife, so if you're new here, I promise she doesn't read every week. It's just where we are this week, okay? Uh, So we're gonna be reading out of Luke 2, uh, verses 1 through 21. It'll also be up on the screen behind us. You can follow along here or in your Bible as well. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to, to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, for it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Uh, Lord, we ask this morning that you would uh, cut through uh, the sentimentality of this season, Lord, that you'd cut through uh, the busyness and the rush of getting here, of the plans that are that are gonna be unfolding for us over the next few days. Uh, Lord, that we get to experience you being with us and speaking to us through your word, uh, reviving and and bringing joy into our hearts even this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So as we dive into this passage, uh, it's probably something that you've heard before that you're familiar with, this picture of a little baby in a manger, right, in the middle of some kind of barn situation with animals all around and Mary and Joseph. And yet we gotta stop and wonder, uh, why is it significant? Certainly there have been kids who have been born in barns before. Like what makes this baby so special? What makes what's happening here something that we're celebrating that we're talking about 2,000 years later? And Luke understands that because he doesn't just tell us what happened, he also tells us, the angels tell us in this story why it's important. 
I'm gonna read to you verses eight through 11 again. It says, in that same regions, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, just doing what they do. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in a city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That the angel in this passage is, is describing why it is significant that this baby has been born, that this baby who has been born is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So where we're gonna hone in this morning is just on that word Savior, like what it means and why it's relevant, what it, what it means for us today. This word savior, uh, it means deliverer or rescuer. That's what the word savior means, deliverer or rescuer. Like in the Old Testament, when God's people were oppressed by their enemies, God would provide a savior for his people. The book of Judges is all about that. These men and women that God raised up to deliver his people from their enemies. God raised up saviors. And this little baby is significant because this baby is God's savior, is the rescue plan, the deliverer that God has been aiming all of history toward from, from the beginning of creation. Deliver from what? Like why do you and I need to be rescued? I want to talk about just some very specific things that Jesus comes to rescue or to deliver us from in our lives. Like one of the things that Jesus comes to deliver us from is from the stuckness that we so often experience as humans. There's this Stanford uh, scientist, neurobiologist, who recently wrote this book all about free will, and what he basically said is free will doesn't exist. That's the whole argument of the book. That free will is really just our biology, our hormones, our childhoods, and our life circumstances uh, that come together. And that we live under the illusion of having choice, but that those factors actually control everything about who and what we are. Even though that seems like a really extreme position that there's no such thing as choice in this world, we experience what that feels like in our day-to-day -day lives all the time when we wrestle with how hard it is to actually change. Like, have you ever tried to change? And you know how hard it is to change, how stuck we can feel, and how, maybe, uh, maybe you've experienced this as you get older, that you realize you are just exactly like your parents? Like the things that you say or do, the ways that you treat your kids and you realize, oh my gosh, I've experienced this before. I had this experience yesterday when I grabbed my son's arms and I went, oh wow, this is just the same, right? Or when you find yourself in your own life playing out a pattern that you thought, no, I thought I had dealt with that, but, but here it is again. The same pattern over and over and over again. And we wonder, is it actually possible as people to change? That's why we pay counselors so much money. Help me change. Like whatever has happened in my past, help me deal with it so I can move past it, so I can be different and experience something different in my life. Okay, that, 
that challenge to change, the resistance toward that, is what the Bible, in a lot of ways, calls original sin. That we as people are born into a world that is broken, and us, like as people in our biology, we're broken. But there are ways that sin has entered our lives and it's broken everything about who we are as people. From the ways like the neurotransmitters work up here, right, to all of the genetics that we carry with us. That as people, we're broken. So the brokenness comes in, in, in who we are. It's, it's, it's built into us. And that brokenness also comes to us in the stories that we enter into uh, in our lives. The family systems that we're born into. Some of you are here and you have parents and you're like, oh, I know, I can tell you all the things that are my parents' fault. And some of you are here and you have kids and you think, oh yeah, I know all the things I'm doing to them. And some of you are here and you're, you have kids who have kids and you are aware of all the things your kids have told you that you did wrong. And can we just acknowledge, that's really hard. But all the things that your kids have said to you, you also had things that you experienced as a kid that you ended up passing on in your family. That's just the way it goes. That the brokenness that affects us, we pass on. It's just a part of being human. And it can end up feeling like we're walking this path that's been set in front of us, but the banks on the side of the path are really high and there's no way out. Do you ever feel like that? sin. That's the sin that we're born into. That's what we need to be delivered from. It's what Jesus came to deliver us from, to save us from, to rescue us into a totally different way of being. Because Jesus, when he came as a baby, he came totally, he was God made flesh. And when that happened, he took on every part of what it meant to be human. He had a biology that was just as broken as ours. And he was born into a family situation that was just as broken as ours. And if you, I don't think it takes a lot of creativity to imagine how someone who has to promise her in-laws, no, God did it. That that might mess up a family system, right? It could cause some tension. Yeah, Jesus experienced that. He was raised with brokenness all around him too. And yet, what is so beautiful about his story is that in the midst of all of that, Jesus walked a different path that he experienced the joyful obedience of, of walking with God, and that in every circumstance he encountered what came out of him was not all of his past hurt, but what came out of him was love for the people around him. That's Jesus. But he is not just a good example for us, that in that obedience he's, he suffered. But that obedience to, to God led him to the cross and then to the resurrection. And what that means for us is that now we get to experience the victory that he experienced in his life as a human. That Jesus himself has liberated us, he's freed us, he's delivered us from all of the sin that clings so closely to us. And what that means is we have the freedom now to be different people. That what Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians is that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. That's true for you. Is that good news? Yeah. That's the good news of the manger, of the nativity. That we have a rescuer and a deliverer who has come. But we are not only freed from the things that have been done to us, but we are also freed from the weight and the burden of what we have done that is wrong. Because this path that, that we walk, this path that is covered by sin, that is marked by sin, 
It's a path that we walk willingly, that we participate in. That what is true about us as people is not only are we hurt, but we hurt others. We do it intentionally and we do it unintentionally. It's true about us. And one of the ways that kind of pop psychology works right now is we, we absolve ourselves of the responsibility of our actions by talking about all the things that have been done to us. But do you realize that that's, that robs us of our dignity as people? And the gospel is clear uh, in honoring our humanity and clear in the fact that we have the ability to, to choose. And what we often choose is to hurt the people around us, to hurt ourselves. And we carry with us the burden of the guilt and the shame that comes with that. That you, that you and I have things that we desperately do not want the people sitting next to us in this room to know that we've done. Right? Things that we are, when we are alone with our thoughts, uh, come out and accuse us. That beat us down. That's guilt and shame that tell us that those past actions define who we are and define who we always will be into the future. Oh, and we need a deliverer, a rescuer. That's what Jesus has come to do, is to deliver us from the weight of those things. And rather than just telling us, no, 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 it's okay, don't worry about it, it's fine, he acknowledges, yes, the things that we have done that have hurt ourselves and that have hurt other people, the ways that we have rebelled against God, he says yes to those things. Those things are true. And yet, and yet he came to, to deal with them, to pay the cost of them, because that's what hurt does, is it incurs a cost for us and for the people around us. And what Jesus has done, again, through his life, through his suffering, through his death, and through his resurrection, is he's paid the cost of those things, which means that you and I can now be free from the burden of the guilt and the shame that we carry. both now and into eternity. And by paying for that guilt and that shame, what Jesus has done is he's made peace with God. That he's made peace between us and God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This passage talks about it. That this path that we walk, you know, where the banks are really high, that feels like it's been set out for us, this path of sin, of what has been done to us and what we do, that it is always a path away from God. It's a path in rebellion to who God is. It's a path that attempts in all of its ways to ignore God, even if it is really religious. That, that we're, we're rebels, we're people who have pushed away from God, who have declared ourselves at war with him, and yet what Jesus has done is he's come to bring peace, to make peace between us and God. That's what his coming in the manger, that's what his death on the cross and his resurrection was all about. Is that it's possible for you and I to now be at peace with God. Oh, and because we are at peace with God, it means that we can always be in his presence. Behold, I am with you always, is what Jesus says, to the very end of the age. And because we are at peace with God, we get to experience God's presence with us always. to experience the joy 
of God's face being turned toward us and smiling down upon us. We don't have to worry anymore if God is punishing us. If he's working out some some kind of sadistic plan in our lives, know that he is always looking upon us and smiling upon us. In delivering us and rescuing us from our sin, what has been done to us by making us new creations, by, by freeing us from the burden of guilt and shame, by making peace between us and God, uh, Jesus has dealt with the hopes that we don't even, maybe did not even realize that we had. It's like opening on Christmas the gift that you uh, did not ask for, but you're actually excited about. That is like one of the hardest things to do as a gift giver, isn't it? To actually buy someone a gift, especially an adult human, that they are excited about, but they didn't tell you that they wanted it, right? But when someone does that for you, like when someone can give you a gift that you did not ask for, but that you're really excited about, it's like the best thing in the world. It helps you know how much you are loved and cared for when that happens. And I'll just admit this, guys, I'm horrible to buy gifts for. My wife has experienced this on numerous occasions. But I can tell you the joy of when she gives me something and I realize, I didn't even know I wanted this. And it usually takes me a day or two. But to come back and say, oh my gosh, that was amazing, thank you. Right? That's what we're talking about here, is God giving us something we didn't even know to expect. And that the journey of the Christian life is the journey of over and over again being surprised by and unpacking the, the gift that it is to be delivered from ourselves and from our sin into peace with God. And that has a lot of implications for the way that we do this Christmas thing together. The way that we do it with our families. Like, do you know, it means that in your family system, I just gotta acknowledge, this is a little bit awkward because a lot of you are sitting in here with your families, okay? So this is just, this is for all of us, right? Because we're all part of these family systems. That all of us, we have the ability to choose something different. Like, if you are always the person in your family who picks the fight, you know who you are, right? You don't have to do it. That when you are together at Christmas, you can feel that urge to, to, like, to say the thing that's going to set it off, and then you could actually, like, you could not say it. That's true, right? Maybe you're the person who always responds to the comment that starts the fight. You could, you could not respond. Maybe you're the person who always avoids it who is like trying to control everybody else to like try to make sure that the fight doesn't happen. You know who you are, right? Trying to manage everyone else's emotions so it all just kind of stays calm. Hey, can I tell you, you don't have to do it. It's okay. Oh, Jesus is gonna be with you even when it blows up, because it's going to. It's okay. And the person who is the person who always goes around and calls everyone else after the blow up, you know what I'm talking about? And tells you what everyone else was thinking so you don't actually have to be mad at them, right? And rescues anyone from having to actually do any kind of real repair and relationship with each other. You don't have to do it. When someone calls you to tell you why they're so mad about what the other person said during your family Christmas, you could say to that person, that sounds really hard, I think you should talk to the other person about it. You could do that, right? That's like fighting for this kind of like gospel relational health in your family. You could be a different person in your family system. All of you, each of us. It can be different. 
is possible rather than rehashing old stories or going uh, to politics, which we can kind of fuel with anger and fear uh, and distract us from actually engaging in relationship, we could chill up and look at each other and take the risk to ask a question that is curious about someone's day-to-day life and their experience of it. That's a scary thing to do, isn't it? And it's a hard thing to do when the scripts that we run are scripts that take us all of those different directions and away from relationship, but that's, a, that's possible. And can I tell you, one of the most courageous things you could do this Christmas might be asking one or two of those various cur- very curious questions. It's a way of walking in with confidence into the situation God has put you to knowing God goes with me and I don't have to be afraid of all the times I've messed it up in the past. I can come here and be curious today and loving today with what Jesus has given me. Yes! been rescued. We've been delivered. Guys, this news, uh, it's for today. Luke uses the word today in this passage, this day, and he uses that phrase all throughout his gospel. And when Luke talks about today, this day, that's the author of this book, what he's always doing is drawing us into the present. He's creating a confrontation between us and God right here in our present. And it Maybe you have been sitting here through Christmas services for decades. I mean, not here, but like, you know, in places like this. And maybe your hopes have been so dashed by Jesus. Maybe this thing stopped working for you so long ago that you're here and we're just kind of phoning it in and we're making it happen until we can get to the next thing. Oh, but can I tell you, even today, Jesus has something for you. That it's possible even today that there are new things that he wants to do in your heart. You're made a new creation one time, but he keeps coming to us and making us new. But there are always new ways that, that Jesus is working in our hearts and growing us to be more like him. Even today. That's good news, right? So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna pray for us. Uh, and then we're gonna sing. And that singing is gonna be a way of us practicing and, and uh, rejoicing in this good news that has come. Uh, like these angels, like these shepherds, like these kids who led us, that as we praise and as we sing, uh, we lead our hearts and direct them toward participating and reminding ourselves of the deliverance and the rescue that we have received. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for today. Uh, we're thankful, Lord, that even today, you were doing new things, uh, that you were doing new things and writing new stories in us uh, and through us uh, because of your son. Jesus, pray that as we sing, as we worship now, that you would even give us the gift of reclaiming uh, some of the wonder of the nativity, that the hopes and fears of all the years are met in this little child who has come uh, to save us and to make peace between us and you. And pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.